bless my ex-boyfriend, we stacked a bunch of uh, these like kind of donut rings around his shaft. And when it worked, I was just, I felt the biggest sense of relief because I could finally feel that the pain that I was experiencing wasn't my fault. And I had the choice to not be in pain. Another episode of Dear Men. I'm really excited. My guest, the first inventor that we've had on the podcast. Um, thank you for being with us, Emily Sauer, who is the inventor by necessity and CEO of Onut, O H N U T, Onut, which is a sex tech device that we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You said my last name right. Most people are afraid to say sour. So I give you a big old high five on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I got, I I cheated a little bit. I asked. So Um, Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today. So actually uh, one of the very first episodes I ever did on this podcast was with a good friend of mine who experienced a lot of pain during sex with her former husband. And this was Mm -hmm. a huge, huge issue in their marriage and is a massive issue all over the world. But it's one that we really don't talk about very much. And so I'm really excited to have you on about ONUT and how it can help because I think a lot of times also during the discussion on this issue, there's not a lot of solutions out there necessarily. So I'm really excited to hear kind of your personal journey and then what you've seen in the people who are using it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good place to start. Yeah, generally the conversation is not had uh, in the mainstream environment. So uh, our cultural, the media and just interpersonal conversations are completely lacking when it comes to sex that is not orgasmic or hyper, um, like multiple orgasmic, it's generally very physical focused and, and anything that is less than what's best is gen- is not discussed. Uh, on the other, on the flip side of that, our first line of defense in our, in the medical institutions that we trust, they generally don't talk about it either. Uh, less than 40% of GYNs ask about sexual complications. So, from from both from all sides of the spectrum, the conversation about discomfort during sex or pelvic pain, it's it's not really supported at all. So I'd like to, yeah, I would love if you could um I thought the point that you made about how OBGYNs rarely ask about this, um yeah. about pain during sex. And particularly we're talking about women. We're talking about pain during sex for women. Mm-hmm. Could you outline just a little bit not to get too clinical or technical, but just what are like two of the diagnoses that women can get or like what, what happens for them? Yeah, so that, that's, that's a loaded, a loaded question. So I'd say primarily it breaks down in a way that is, it's really unfortunate because it, it's, it's actually really hard to get, to even get a diagnosis. 
the delay in, in treatment often takes so long that what might start out as, for example, endometriosis, if it's not addressed for the, for an average of six to 10 years, which is how long it takes to get a diagnosis, then you don't just start with endometriosis. You don't end up with endometriosis anymore. You have additional complications like a pelvic floor tightening, or sometimes people have bladder complications. Either the pelvis is a really complex area. So when one thing starts, if it's not addressed, there are all kinds of compounding factors, which is another reason why gynecologists have like are, are generally dismissive uh, because because it, it's it is really hard to um, to actually treat, and they're not incentivized financially to do so. Um, to answer your question, though, some of the some of the, the diagnoses that are easier um, or more common, endometriosis is one of them. It's when uterine-like tissue grows outside of the uterus uh, and and can cause severe pain. Um, and menopause oftentimes causes complications after childbirth. There's all the whole pelvic floor, the the meat hammock that holds all of the organs in the pelvis gets really stretched out. So there are bladder complications. Uh, it's called organ prolapse. It's when your bladder drops a little bit into your vagina. Um, and also C-section, uh, C-section scar tissue. Uh, what's interesting about penetration, especially pain, pain during deep penetration, is that there's room for, for a penis to go in. And, and, and everything in, about the female reproductive system moves around. So it's, it's basically a free floating set of organs so that when a penis goes inside, everything accommodates. When you have something like scar tissue from a surgery, scar tissue can oftentimes adhere, um, the reproductive organs to the surrounding muscle tissue. So when, during penetration, it's no longer free floating, it pulls. So that can also be a common cause of pain. So that was a long winded answer. Yeah, no, that was great. I think the, um, something that I kind of want to bring into the discussion here at this point is shame, because I think that, you know, I've spoken to lots of women and I know, and I've read a lot about it of like, I feel ashamed that I can't have sex the way that other women do. I feel ashamed that I can't have intercourse with my man and have it feel good. I feel like all these other women are out there and they get really wet and they have all these crazy orgasms and there must be something wrong with me. I'm broken because when he penetrates me, it hurts, you know, and we're talking about scar tissue and we're talking about all these different diagnoses, but the personal experience of women that I know is like it like knives in my vagina like yeah. it's really comfortable up to the point of excruciating yeah. and the toll that that can take on a relationship is yeah. massive because if if she's in pain you know if he's like at all compassionate he feels bad he feels like <clears throat> like maybe he's doing something wrong or like yeah it used to work and now it doesn't it's very confusing and like you said, I think there aren't really a lot of solutions out there right now. So again, mm-hmm. back to the shame, some women might not even be talking to their GYN about it because they feel right. like there's something wrong with them. They feel like they should yeah. be able to somehow figure it out. And, and what I just kind of want to encourage is like, this is figure outable and you're not alone. If you're in a partnership yes. like this or you've ever been with someone, this mm-hmm. is not a small percentage of the population. This is actually millions of people that go through this. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and especially, it can be especially disorienting when it's a mm. change, meaning like 
the sex was fine for a few years. And then mm-hmm. let's say that she got cancer and she got better from the cancer, but now she has painful sex. It can be really disorienting sure. and confusing. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, did you have any personal experience? You know, you said um, uh, invention by necessity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your experience with the whole kind of um, range of emotions there and, and kind of what you went through. Uh, well, first of all, amen to what you just said. I think you really hit the nail on the head uh, when it comes to that shame. And then associated with that shame is silence. Uh, for my entire adult like sexual life, I had pain during deep penetration. And it was the kind of thing where it hurt during certain positions, namely the 90 degree ones. So it's like doggy style with, with uh, at like a uh, tabletop position, you know, when, uh, or, you know, that like dumb one where your legs go over your head and it doesn't look attractive for anyone. Um, sorry, I have opinions about that. <laughs> um, uh, or, or even sometimes actually girl on top, but when you're sitting at 90 degrees, uh, that tends to be a deeper position. Anyways, during those, it was really painful. So, but at the same time, I knew that sex was supposed to be painful. Uh, and, and so I didn't say anything and, and I've always assumed that because I'm short, I'm, I'm four eleven, which is tiny that, Oh, maybe, maybe I have a short vagina or maybe I'm, maybe he's too big, you know? So I only, uh, in, in like the later half of that decade mentioned it to my gynecologist and was dismissed or rushed out the door every time. Um, without so much as a use lube, try different positions. It was, it was not even as if they cared to even try to help um and then that's, i couldn't advocate really for myself yeah. what's that that's really kind of depressing that they weren't more i don't know understanding about it i mean especially considering how many women this affects that seems like yeah distressing it, it's insanely distressing especially because gyns are our first line of defense for information if they can't hold conversation about sexual health, who are we supposed to have a conversation with? Because the internet is not the best place for it either if we don't have the language to know what we're looking for. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and, so going yeah, into that. I have a quick question about, about partners. So just so I understand this, you weren't actually telling your partners that you were in pain because you sort of assumed like, like, Oh, it's me. It's my body. This is just how it is. I'm just going to yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's so sad to say, and I actually just spoke to someone recently and we both ended up in tears because she remembered a time when she would hide the fact that she was crying during sex. Aww. And like, I remember doing that. I I feel lucky to say I only did that once, but, I just remembered he finished and I was just had tears running down my face and I tried not to breathe too heavy so that he wouldn't know. Oh my um, God. It, it was terrible. Um, and was that again, was that like out of fear that you would, that you would be shamed if you brought it up that you were like, I feel like there's something wrong with me. I can't say anything because what is he going to say back? 
It's a combination of, I think for me personally, it was, I was raised to be kind of tough, you know, not to complain. If I ever was feeling sick in elementary school, my mom would be like, are you sure you're sick? Because you should go to school anyways. And she would send me to school anyways. Um, I've been definitely uh, cultured to suppress any kind of um, neediness, um, you know, especially when it comes to health. Uh, also, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be perceived as a, as, as complaining or, or offending a partner either. Um, yeah, I would say there's, yeah. there's definitely a reluctance to, to ruin a moment or, you know, just to suck it up. Like generally uh, there's been a, a whole bunch of studies. I actually don't know the numbers, but the amount of women that just grit their teeth and deal with it is high, really high. Really high. Yeah. And it's so sad because partners don't know. If you think like 75% of women will have painful sex in their lifetime, every single one of those people is having sex with somebody. How many of that 75% knew what was happening? Yeah. 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 It's definitely like, it hasn't affected me very much at all, but I do remember one instance where, again, like you were saying, the 90 degree positions, um, I have had pain. Uh, a couple times in doggy style and I felt a little bit like, well, shit, if I say something, maybe he's going to get mad at me or kind of like tell me that, I don't know, like it's me or I don't know. I don't know exactly what I was afraid of, but I don't think that I spoke up. I think I kind of shifted my body around to try to like have the penetration be less, but I didn't actually say, ow, that hurts. Like, can we try it a different way? So I think think that's a good thing to just, kind of just for men to be aware of um, that this is incredibly common and to kind of make space for like, how does that feel? Like, is this still okay? Yeah. Because I think if, if that man had created more of an opening, it could have been like, actually, yeah, that's a little like too intense. Um, Right. And we can adjust it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so to be totally honest in, in my, in, in my like current sex life. And, and even in, even since I've launched Onut, um, I still have a hard time speaking up during the fact. So what I've done is that I, I have a wonderful partner right now and I obviously, I mean, it's Onut is my life, so he knows all about it. But I, at the same time, we never had the, the personal discussions about when is it painful? What positions it's painful in? You know, we, we, he, we finally sat down not that long ago and, and I told him, you know, this is when, when I'm in pain, I'm probably going to put my hands on your hips and try to push you a little further away. I'm probably going to try to squeeze my legs a little bit together so that your hips don't bang super hard so that you don't go in uh, again, like too far. Um, he can, he, he, and now what happens if I can't advocate for myself, he can advocate for me. Uh, and, and I know when he, and I know when he does. I can feel it. That's really and it, sweet. That, that's really sweet. Yeah. Um, and it makes such a difference. Because then I'm not afraid. It's like the whole yeah. point of sex is to connect with a partner. And when we're afraid, we're, we're like having sex in our heads and not in our body. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, and it's funny. I'm from the men's perspective. Like so many people are quick to point fingers at, at the guy. Well, it's their fault. You know, people, outsiders are like, oh, well, if, if he's hurting you, then you should leave him. It's just like, well, no, that's not how it works. 
Right. Right. Um, but like you were saying, how can, how can we create a space where, um, it's really easy to be like, is this okay? Um, again, I mean, like exactly what you said, is this okay? How does this feel? Um, yeah. Or like, you know, just, just offer basic, like, um, questions. Yeah. Right. How are you doing? How is this feeling? Is there anything you want to tell me? You know, mm-hmm. I can't emphasize enough how much of a difference it makes when a man leads in that way, because it really makes it feel a lot safer to share what's actually going on. Right. And I just right. kind of want to emphasize what you said of, I think that has also been my experience in, you know, advocating for myself. I don't think that I've been particularly strong at that in the past. And so I've used exactly like you said, like shifting my body around or trying to, you know, use my hands to kind of push him away a little bit. And what I notice is that unconsciously I'm tensing my, my body. Mm-hmm. At that point, I'm mm-hmm. my, especially my lower belly, like I'm like yeah. I'm anxious. And so I'm tensing yeah. and I'm sure that's not helping the situation. And I, I can like my experience with pain during sex, actually, if I'm going to be really honest is more with men using their hands that when they're um, fingering me or playing with me, they're much, much too rough with way too much pressure, way too fast. And again, instead of speaking up about it, I have mostly like not said anything and just tensed up my body, tried to get away a little bit or kind of just, yeah, like just really been, you know, kind of been like, well, I'll just grin and bear it because I don't really know how to say, ow, like that really hurts. Like I really need you to do something different because I'm afraid he'll like shut down and turn away. So, um, it's so funny. Yeah. I've never really thought of that as pain during sex because I think when we say the word sex in our culture, we usually mean intercourse. And so I'm like, oh, well, I don't have vaginismus and my, my vagina doesn't contract. You know, I actually feel Mm -hmm. less pain during penetration than I do with men using their hands like when men use their hands, that's when it usually is like really bad actually. Um, and, and I've gotten a lot better about sort of telling men beforehand, like I'm really, really sensitive. Like I'd really like a lot less pressure, but the truth is I'm like, I don't think I'm that sensitive. I think just women are sensitive. Like lady parts are sensitive. And from the research <laughs> that I do, you know, in my sex research, I'm like, no, like most women, it's like way too hard and rough with their hands for most women. Well, yeah. You know, it's, unique to me but I've started kind of like that's how I present it as like a hey heads up like you know this is how I like to be touched um because partly because I'm so kind of afraid of speaking up in the moment that I don't want him to feel shut down or criticized in the moment yeah yeah it's so funny so it's interesting and I actually don't know the research on that generally my take on like preferences uh, are that, that, that there's, there are obviously certain standards. Like I would obviously, I would start probably lighter than rougher because just to, out of, out of, um, a care for another person. <laughs> but, um, the, it's generally most important to have the questions and not have the answers so often, especially when it comes to hetero, heterosexual penetration, it's just like, okay, this is what we do. Like penis and vagina thrust go, uh, whereas, and then, and then by default, it'll feel good but there's all different kinds of stimulation, all different kinds of, um, I don't know, especially like as you get older, you get more and more picky about how you like to be touched. And that also changes with every individual. Um, so what I've found also, 
even though we're so hesitant to, to speak up, so say that someone's like fingering really rough in, in, um, by speaking up, it's empowering the partner to do a good job. Like at the end of the day, we all just want to do a good job when we're, when we're having sex, we, like there, there's a need for approval, which isn't obviously the big picture, but, um, by informing the other individual what our likes and dislikes are, it makes it so much easier. Uh, so just instead of coming from a place of like, oh, I, I, I can't do this or I'm, I'm hypersensitive or, or this is painful. It's like, oh, well, here's what I like. Here, here's actually what does, I really like it when fingering is lighter or, 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 or during the moment, if it's too rough, sometimes like a, just like a, a go, go softer uh, kind of cue is helpful as well. So it's offering an alternative as opposed to like a, you're doing it wrong. Right. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's not internalized as a, a, a failure on their part either. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's kind of been my, the way I've introduced it is like, here's what I like. And I like it really gentle and, and, and that works some of the time and some of the time it yeah. doesn't because yeah. I've found that a lot of men just have the way that they do it. And then mm. um, <laughs> requires a little bit more adjustment. Um, but I oh. think that the, the research also that I have done at least has all has shown that what, you know, for certain people, um, it doesn't matter how you bring it up. They're going to be defensive. And then for other people, they're much more open to like, yeah, I want to know what works. Like I want to know what's good. I want to know your body. Like I'm interested. And um, to me, that's part of the, mm. the beauty of dating and kind of like, like you said, for me, part of the, the point of speaking up now is to see how the man responds because I've, I've definitely yeah. had men who responded poorly and that was really good information. Whereas if I hadn't said anything, I wouldn't have been able to see like, how is he with feedback? Um, right. and I've had other men respond really well. And I've had men that, like I said, like were more attuned, much more attuned to my body. And when yeah. I was making those motions or doing whatever, like he would check in with me and sure. that felt really good and really rare. So I guess I would, yeah, I would just say for the men listening, like I, I really appreciate that. And I think it's, um, it can be really helpful to help elicit her truth to kind of create yeah. some for it. Yeah. The other side of that, um, and that, that really actually hit me was part of the reason why I created Own It, um, was my partner was so intent on making me feel good that it added so much more pressure. Uh, sex was painful when, when he and I had sex because I was super stressed and our relationship was actually pretty terrible. <laughs> um, it really hurt like the, the stress component may cause the physiological response that made sex painful with the added pressure. He's like, I just want to make you feel good. I just want to, I just want to make you feel good. And it was just like, well, I, I I'm trying so hard to orgasm that I might, I think my head's going to pop off. Like I'm not focusing at all on what this, what like I feel like emotionally, I don't feel connected to you whatsoever because I'm just trying to limp my way to orgasm. Like there, that's, it, that's like not the point of sex at all. So I would also say for, for, from the male's perspective, um, even though th there is a lot to be said as far as being helpful and being an advocate, then there's another to be said for really putting pressure on 
feeling good because that can come in so many shapes and sizes too. Um, a lot of times, especially like in the O nut box, there's like on the back of a card, there's a three minute game. And what it is, is it, it instructs people to set a timer for three minutes. And one partner says to the other, how would you like me to touch you? And the other person responds with exactly the way that they would like to be touched exclusively for three minutes. And what that does is it creates a really safe container um, to get like a massage. It could even be a back massage. It doesn't have to be sexual. It could be uh, the small area on your left inner thigh. Uh, you can touch a soft touch, hard touch. And for, for three minutes, one person is fully committed to giving and one person is fully committed to receiving. So often we compromise ourselves during sex because we're trying to please a partner. And this is a really easy way to identify what it feels like just to receive. And then that very much informs the way that uh, connection happens during penetration, uh, which doesn't even have to be the main focus if you don't want it to be. I think especially for the feminine, receiving is such an important part of pleasure practice. And, and, And being able to relax our bodies being able to relax. And that's, I think the thing that really kind of jumped out at me from the testimonials I was reading uh, about Onut. And I think we should probably start talking about Onut. um, Yeah. Is that the women repeatedly said things like, I was finally able to relax. Yeah. um, Positions. I'm not going to worry about protecting my body or trying to manage the experience. So mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in pain, I could finally let go and just be in the moment and be with my partner having sex. And that really touched mm-hmm. me because I think that the feminine really needs to have a relaxed physiology in order to experience maximum pleasure. Yeah. And I know yeah. for things like uh, female ejaculation, like the G-spot, things like that, if her physical body, her pelvic floor isn't relaxed, she won't be able to have that kind of orgasm. It's completely tied into that experience. That's not as mm-hmm. true as orgasms, but there's a lot of, there's a lot tied to relaxation in her body and ability to feel pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, why don't you tell us briefly about what, what the own actually is? That's what it is. Yeah, it's. I liked you. You said on the site something like, "It's like." And then I created a pink donut for sex, and everything changed. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you know, after so, the long story short is that when when sex went too deep, it was really painful, and it got to the point in in my personal life where I was in that stressful relationship, and I, and a couple of life things weren't quite going right, and sex as a result became more painful. So while I couldn't talk about it prior to that point, and I was embarrassed and really ashamed, not only of that sex was physically painful, but I was also ashamed that I couldn't be the partner who I wanted to be, that I felt like a failure for myself. I felt like a failure as a woman. And everything about it was just sad. So in my mind, if I could make sex if I could control the depth of penetration and make it go less deep or control how deep I wanted it to go, then maybe I wouldn't feel so bad about myself. So this idea of a pink frosted donut around a penis was the most delightful idea I could think of. (laughs) It it was practically the opposite 
of what I had been quieting for so long. So I went, yeah. Um, it was, it was just, it was refreshing. And so I went on Amazon and I, and I, you know, I found a, a similar product meant for something very different. And I, at my, bless my ex-boyfriend, we stacked a bunch of uh, these like kind of donut rings around his shaft. And when it worked, I was just, I felt the biggest sense of relief because I could finally feel that the pain that I was experiencing wasn't my fault. And I had the choice to not be in pain. I had the choice to actually feel good. And from there, I just wanted to yell from the rooftops that, that I was having painful sex and I came up with this crazy idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. I love the part about just realizing it wasn't your fault. Yeah. I think that's really yeah. the thing to highlight because it, it feels like that's really the root of a lot of the shame. Like, <clears throat> my body should be different. I should be different. This shouldn't hurt. There's like, the like, shouldn't, it shouldn't be this way. Yeah, it is this way. So how do we, you know, work with this? You know, yeah, the land of should. I call it the land of should. It's it's a terrible place. <laughs> um, but so so what Ona is? It's a, a series of four stacking rings. So imagine the easy way to explain it is, is that they're like really friendly linking rings that stack up around the base of a penetrating partner. So it could be a penis, it could be a strap on or a toy. And at the deepest point of penetration, they compress down to act like a bumper. So they said the rings stay outside of the body. And because they, they come unlinked, you can stack them. So you can use three rings for doggy style and two rings for Tuesdays. You know, pretty much any amount of rings you want to use at any time. You can incrementally adjust to figure out what feels good for both partners. It's so cool because a conversation that was previously rife with embarrassment or, or lack of any framework, all of a sudden there are these friendly squishy rings that you can be like, Oh, let's try this position. Let's try that position. Let's take a ring. Let's add a ring. Like you, it becomes this dynamic collaboration to work with something that is outside of, of both partners. It, it is no longer like the, the pain that's being addressed is no longer someone's again, someone's fault. It, it is something that both partners are collaborating around together. And then you come up with awesome stuff. You have to reinvent positions. You can use it for foreplay. You can even use it for oral. Like it's just basically a bunch of rings that you can, it's almost, we don't call it a sex toy, but it definitely gets people in a, uh, a playful frame of mind. Oh, I really like that. And I also really like the flexibility option because I think, like you said, you know, different partners are different sizes and both partners, like you're 4'11 and um, that's pretty petite, which means that some of your lady parts might be more petite and some of your male partners might have, you know, bigger cocks. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so the flexibility is really nice. And also like time of the month, like women's bodies change over yeah. the, of the month, women's bodies change over the course of their lifetimes. Um, Again, like mm -hmm. after childbirth, after C-sections, after cancer yep. treatments, yep. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we're not one, like we're not a static body. And I think yes, exactly. like I said, it can be really disorienting to have mm -hmm. your body one way and then have it change and be like, well, shit, like 
this used to work and now it hurts. Like what the fuck? This is supposed to be different. So I really right. like the flexibility thing of kind of just, it's like, a, like I remember reading something about how NASA, when NASA started accepting women into its, the ranks, they like created a sports bra or something. And they were like, one size fits all. And women were like, are you crazy? Like, have you seen the variations in our bodies? Like that's sort of what it reminds me of, of like, this is, this is going to, this kind of tool works for lots of different people. It's not just one size fits all. And you have, like you said, that sense of control of how deep do I want it? You know, what works for my body? And so I think it can give women, especially sort of more power back of like yeah able to yeah feel through and feel what but what feels really good yeah and the partners as well because they can you know guys so often want to fix things and sometimes when it comes to painful sex we don't want to be fixed because that means that something's broken so here's this really non-judgmental friendly product that is so easy to adjust that 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 from both sides there's there's an active contribution to like the shared experience. Um, yeah, I mean, again, a lot of people. One of the things we haven't talked about is, is real quick is is the big dick myth. Is that that most people assume that sex is painful because the guy is too big, without ever asking what is happening in the female body that's in pain. It, it might be mechanical. It also might not. It might be psychological. It might be diagnostic. You know, there could be all kinds of complications that lend themselves that, that, that should be, that should be considered. But because we orient so much around male size, the questions stop there. I think that's so, a good point, especially yeah. the part about, you know, <clears throat> a lot of what we're talking about today is kind of like structural or like <clears throat> body parts focused. But for example, mm-hmm. the episode that I did um, with my friend, one of the things that she and I talked about was their relationship had a lot of little resentments that they mm. were dealing with and mm-hmm. they were piling up. And I think that part of what was going on was that her body was tense around. Yeah. Her. Yeah. There were all of these little unresolved hurts that had never gotten um, held or loved or seen. And her body, her actual body was like, I don't want to let you in, but she felt like she should be a good wife and she should provide, she should all these things. So, you know, I think it's a really good point to say, this is a revolutionary product and, you know, some couples are going to require some counseling and like other things to kind of come in and help the relationship holistically. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Complex sort of arena. It's not just you know, one, again, it's not really one size fits all. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it too. Again, going back to having the answers versus having the questions. If you have the answers, it's kind of boring. Like if you have all of the answers to, to, to the question about sex in general, like what feels good, what doesn't feel good, then, then it, then you, we lose that sense of curiosity. So in a really backwards way, sexual complications make our, force us to really contemplate what is happening in our personal lives. What's important to us as far as life quality, like what kind of relationship do we want and deserve? What kind of sex do we want and deserve? Uh, And then how do we get there? Because otherwise, again, it it is that autopilot that is like, Oh, well, this is just how it's supposed to be penis and vagina. Wham, bam, done. 
Um, yeah, when you really, have a bump in the road. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good point. And, it, and I like that you have that game in the box with Ona, like mm-hmm. kind of got, getting the conversation, helping couples have the conversation around what kind of touch do you like? Yes. You know, how do you like to be touched? What actually turns you on? What, yes. what is something that I could adjust to give you more pleasure and vice versa? And yeah, just the conversation, just getting people to talk about that stuff. Because as a sex researcher, I'm going through the research and realizing how few people are actually having any conversations about this. And I'm not right. talking about just people who've been dating for a few weeks. I'm talking about people who've been married for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking mm-hmm. about people who've never really ever talked about this and yeah. are functioning on autopilot, like you said. So um, a couple of things just to <clears throat> clarify. Um, the Ona is, um, can be worn with a condom. Mm-hmm. It can be yeah. just washed with soap and water. Yep. It's um, designed in silicone. Is that right? But it can be used with either silicone or water-based lube. So, so we chose, it, it's an FDA approved blend, the material itself, so that you can, so that you can use water-based or silicone-based lube with it. A lot of times, people have very specific preferences when it comes to lube. So we wanted Onut to be as, um, as, uh, like function. Wow. What is the word that I'm looking for? Friendly. (laughs) As lube friendly as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I also, since, you know, this is a podcast for men, I was wondering, I looked at a few of the testimonials, but can you speak a little bit as to what it feels like for the man? Like, what is that? Yes. Thank you for asking that. It's so funny. That's generally the first question that people of all genders ask. What does it feel like for the men? Which just says something about how we think about painful sex for women. But, (laughs) uh, but to be fair, it is worn by a penetrating partner. So the general sentiment when it's worn, uh, by someone who has a penis is that they forget that it's there. Uh, it has these wonderful ribs on the inside based on how the, the rings link together and it, it gives a little bit of a hug. So, I mean, and who wouldn't want a penis hug? Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> um, so it actually feels, it does feel like full penetration, even though there's that adjustment there. Um, also you'd, you'd get that like hip to hip sensation without having to worry about going too deep. Uh, a lot of, we've heard from a lot of partners that they feel really bad when their female partner's in pain. And this really allows them to actually thrust harder. And not that everyone wants that, but for a couple of folks, we've heard that it's, it's like, we could do this position, we could do that. Like, I get these really excited emails about all the positions that people can do now and like the, the degree of rough sex that they can now achieve. It's, it's really interesting. <laughs> That is super um, inspiring, though, because I, I can imagine you, if I'm a man, again, kind of like the like holding back sensation. Yes. Like, oh, I can't really, you know, it's like, I don't want to hurt her. Like, I really don't want her to be in pain. And if, you know, especially if it's like a longer term partner and he is aware of the pain, because like we said, some men just don't know. But for the men that do yeah. know, it's like, well, I don't want to, you know, thrust too deep. I don't want, it's just like that constant holding back, which again, yeah. I'm like, it's going to tense his muscles and he's going to yeah. start to contract and it's going to be kind of like just uncomfortable versus like the freedom. Like that's really what I hear in all those emails. It's like, Oh, I feel yeah. so free. Like I can finally like express like all of me and like play. And it's like really, I don't know. It just makes it a lot more fun. 
Yeah, I mean, we've heard from we heard from one couple that they were having so much fun with the rings after sex that they started like flinging them around the room. You know, like it it, it gets people. There's something so uh, delightful about how squishy the rings are and how stretchy they are that just gets people into this mindset that, that uh, of possibility. Oh, uh, for a lot of people, we. We hear a lot of people who, who talk about hope. Uh, we've heard from several cancer patients who've written, like, I'm I'm too far along in my treatment that I, I this is I'm past the point where Ona could help, but it gives me hope for people like me in the future. Um, it's really, uh, it's it's really it's heartbreaking and it's hopeful. And I mean, I have some testimonials I can read if if that's of interest. Yeah, I would love to hear a few kind of like specific stories. And the other thing right before we do that is just to point out that um, you have several physicians affiliated with ONOT. And um, because I think this is a really important topic that needs to be kind of like the word needs yeah. to be spread. And so I'm just wondering, like, who how, who have you found has been the best kind of like referrals? Is it GYNs? Is it people that work with cancer um, survivors? Like, I'm curious in terms of your clinicians that you are affiliated with, who, you know, who's, who's able to get the word out the most? What was really surprising in the early days of prototyping, I went to, I just started going to medical conferences because I realized that there was a very specific medical application for a product that I knew, that I didn't really know enough about. I didn't know my body. I didn't know anyone else's complications other than my own. So I really had to force myself to learn in order to make this a trustworthy product, because that was first and foremost a a priority. I wasn't about to potentially step into this world of, of medicine with this sham product that like by someone who knows nothing. So I started going to medical conferences that was for sexual medicine and even the first one I went to, the president of the association was like, this is genius. He's like, it just makes so much sense. And he started, I, I like walked into the beginning of a board meeting and he starts telling everyone about it. And people were so willing to help. It just goes to show how limited the toolkit is for professionals as well. And we are the user controlled piece of the puzzle that can help them do their job better. Yeah. And just a shout out, I think in general to, um, there's so much space, I think in like sex tech on both sides, but especially products about and for women, um, because startups are male based, um, that I just kind of want to encourage anyone out there that has an idea or has an issue like Emily, like you are powerful. And if you have a way to solve it or you think of one, don't assume that it's already been done. Like, don't do any of that. Just go for it. Because this, in, in particular, sex and sexuality, there's been so little innovation that it's, there's just so much room for that. So that's really cool. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's been, it's been really positive across the board. Uh, you know, it's, it's also our retailers are really fascinating. So we're in really renowned sex shops like Bay, Bayland Museum of Sex. And then our biggest retailer is Urban Outfitters right now. Um, all the way over to, um, all the way over to, uh, Harvard Cancer Research Center. Nice. Urban so Outfitters. We, I like literally yeah. never have guessed that. Nope. 
Yeah, yeah, their online store. I guess they've done a really good job with SEO. So they come up quickly in search results. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it's great. I, you know, if, if people are buying a sweater and decide to buy an Ona, it's power to you. Um. <laughs> uh, all right, let's hear a few testimonials and then we'll start to wrap up. Okay. Um, this one. So I have a couple. So one of them are, um, uh, like, I guess that there's like a hysterectomy one. There's a, I mean, and this is just like candid right now, but, um, Oh, I can't read this one. Okay. I don't know if there's like a particular complication. No, I'll just go for it. Okay. Yeah. Just go for it. Um, okay. So this one came in actually not that long ago. It says, my husband and I have been married for about a year and a half. And last night we had sex for the first time. We've been in therapy. I've gone to multiple gynos and OBGYNs with eight months of pelvic floor physical therapy. And it still felt like our marriage was doomed because every time we tried to be intimate, it ended either with me having an anxiety attack or crying because it hurt so much. The last night was different. The trauma that sex has caused me these past months was still there, but the burning, terrible pain wasn't. I was able to be present in the moment and actually enjoy the way that we fit together. The emotional guilt and shame surrounding sex was gone. I didn't hate my body and the what is it going to do with us mentality this time. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Onut saved our marriage. Thank you for listening to women who are in pain. Thank you for listening to couples who are frustrated. Thank you for giving us a way to finally have sex. Aww. Like we get, we get messages like that all the time. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Like, oh. yeah. yeah. Especially like um, I didn't hate my body anymore. That really jumped out at me. I, I mean, I've, it's just because everything that goes along with that, like as she starts to relax and be able to love her body more, just everything is going to get better for her. <laughs> Not just, yeah. 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 Um, it's, um, oh, this is funny. Um, this is from a guy. <laughs> um, okay. So our, our, our dear friend said, uh, Ona arrived last Friday and I tried it out immediately and it's amazing. I initially tried it out on my own in the shower and had a mind blowing orgasm was not expecting that, nor can I explain it. We'll definitely be doing more research on that in the coming days, weeks, forever. <laughs> Then I tried it out the next day with my wife and we both agreed that it was amazing how no matter what position, she couldn't feel like there was anything there at all. And a few positions like doggy style that we basically had to stop doing because it was impossible to prevent going too deep. Well, we went there and it was great. What can I say? It's everything I dreamed of and more. Thank you for being who you are and making this amazing product. Really expressively. (laughs) <laughs> captured the essence of what he was saying you know <laughs> yeah I mean it's, it's there I cannot even count how many exclamation points are in this email um uh, but it's it's yeah that's great it's, yeah no it's 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 definitely you know we don't claim that it works for everyone but there's something to be said for just opening up a dialogue and, and considering that because something like this exists, enough people out there have pain during sex, during sex that it's worth, it's worth having a conversation about. 
it's painful for her physically, but I think for a lot of male partners, it's also painful emotionally. And like you said, I'm sure that there's a lot of helplessness. Like, I don't know how to help this. I just, I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt my partner and I don't know what to do about it. Right. I feel kind of helpless. So I think for any man listening, anyone that wants to kind of refer this out or just kind of like spread the word or just kind of like, yeah, give people more hope because you know, I'm just imagining that woman in an 18 month marriage and like, obviously they got married because they love each other. Like there's something there and they don't want it to, to go away. You know, they don't want to have to give up on the relationship because of this. So I think it is yeah. of hope and I'm really, um, I'm really glad it's out there. So thank you Yay. for inventing it and for sticking with it and for, um, you know, creating an ethical product, like you said. And um, for anyone interested, it's at onut.co, right? O-H-N-U-T. .co. Yeah, O-H-N-U-T.co. And we're on Instagram at onut.co. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. It's It's been a really exciting ride. And, and just because we're so like science and data focused because our language is very human. It's just, it's been received really well across gender, across profession, across age groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and again, if there are any questions, absolutely shoot them my way. Uh, the best email is hello at ona.co and we can Perfect. absolutely um, answer anything. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and I'm excited. It, it's amazing. Just on a side note, your language is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've clearly done your homework, and uh, and I think that your listeners are are definitely better off for it. So thank you for for being thorough. Thanks, I appreciate that. We also forgot to mention during the course of this podcast that there's actually a discount code. So the Onut is sixty five dollars, but if you use code Dear Men, you'll get ten percent off.